Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'll tell you what. Every week, every week I I myself, I'm not going to say anything about the food this Then I come in, and I was hungry because in uh, from Ohio today. And thank you, by the way, to Steve and Eddie for their great hospitality. Uh, by the way, before I get about it, uh, chat is open. I don't know how much I'll be able to take on it, being a standing this week, but uh, it is for you all to talk to each other, if you like. And we were supposed to meet uh, Canada Joe while we were out there, which was pretty cool. So we just get back to Ohio, and uh, then I realized my last meal was at 9.30 a.m. Then I come in here, and there are deviled eggs, which are, uh, it's rumored that I had more than three, probably four. But I have a brain injury, so I can't count. It's up in the air as to how many I actually have. Then I had uh, chicken that just literally falls off the bone, and then there was literally falls off the bone, and then there was uh, homemade eclair. Is that how you say eclair or eclair? Whatever it is, it was good and it's gone. So it was here, and then it was gone. So RIP. So this um, this week's a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit. By the way, while I'm thinking of it, uh, and for the radio audience that tunes in, uh, we are going to have the Collision of Faith and Politics on Wednesday at 4 p.m., not Monday. It's going to be not for always. We're just going to give it a test and see how we do. Although next week we have a very special guest, Dave Bray, uh, now of Brave Day Clothing. Get it? Dave Bray, Brave Day Clothing. But he won't be this Wednesday. He'll be on next Monday. We'll have a show Monday and then probably a, a, a second on Wednesday, but next Monday will be no show tomorrow. But next Monday on Memorial Day. Oh wait a second, it's Memorial Day. I'll record something. We'll just do it on Wednesday. He agreed to be on my show on Memorial. No, it's uh, June, 6th, whatever that is. Is that next week? A week from Memorial Day. Disregard. A week from Memorial Day. Uh, Dave Bray of Brave Day thing and questions will be on, and that's going to be a lot of fun about what he's up to now. I hear tell that there's a band in the making as well, and so we're very excited about that. He's putting a line of uh, faith and liberty-themed clothing. And I'm pretty sure he designs it all himself. 
it's really cool, stuff. really, really super cool stuff. So we're excited about that, kind of roll that out with them and help them tell the world what it's all about. Today's message is going to be a little bit different. And I was really struck by this um, about doubt. You know, I talk to a lot of people on a daily basis, and a lot of times people confess to me their doubts, their fears, their their struggles, their sorrows, uh, their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But, but doubt usually drives a lot of it. And uh, I have a saying that I like to say that, you know, I like to say that I thought of this saying, but I didn't. Um, it's uh, I heard it from Tony Robbins. Gratitude is the antidote to fear. Gratitude is the antidote to fear. So be grateful. So be thinking that throughout this message. But, but this message is called, Unless I See, and it's drawn from John 20, 2431. And it struck me because I thought of my I talk to a lot of people on a daily basis that are just riddled with doubt. Their whole life is riddled with doubt. And I always ask people, do you wish that you didn't doubt as much as you do? And I believe that this message, and you'll be able to watch this on video. How do you watch it on video, Sean? On Facebook, the God and Country radio show page on Facebook. If you go to that, we're actually streaming live right now. Um, my mother always said I had a face for radio. So I don't know that, you know, we show a little disclaimer or something rolling across the screen that, you know, I'm not responsible for any shock or horror that I have to deal with. But so you can watch it and listen live. And then after after we finish the message tonight, it will be available its entire time. It's really pretty – the clarity is pretty amazing. It's unreal. He uses a Samsung phone. Isn't that a Samsung phone? Pretty, pretty awesome how he does it. I don't know how he does it. But um, – Bottom line is, is, is uh, I was reconvicted this week, and I decided to kind of later in the week what the what the, uh, the message should be about today. And I just felt like, you know what? There's so many people that are telling me they're they're fearful, they're they have doubts, not uh, necessarily doubting God, maybe doubting God's tactics, but uh, just doubting God's plan, just not understanding God's plan. And in most of life, it's to see. To believe, right? We could we could all kind of agree that to see is to believe. But your life consisted of real faith. You don't see the thing, but you believe. In the spiritual life, to believe is to see. What if you just really allowed yourself to totally and completely believe, so that God can show you yet again who and what He is. Gratitude is the antidote to fear, or antidote to fear. I, I, I absolutely love that. By the way, some of my notes on drinjapastor.com. So feel free to go there. There's lots of cool content there. All right. We're going to read this to you. Remember, this passage is John 20, 24 through 31. I'll try to get through it without stopping. Now, to Oma, okay, I have to stop. The name that we know as Thomas, right? We know Daddy Thomas. That's where the thing comes from. That's actually, his actual name is Toma. Toma. So I guess we could see where that comes from. But Toma comes from the Hebrew word, which means the twin. And I think it's interesting, you know, back then, the ultrasounds and the different things, they weren't as good as they are today because they didn't have Obamacare, so they had to really rely on old-fashioned, you know, barnyard sort of uh, medical care. So they didn't have those. They didn't have as good ultrasounds and stuff. So 
what they did uh, was they just kind of guessed, my goodness, you're big. Looks like there's two of them in there. And then they would be surprised when one would be born. Well, they named the first one whatever name they thought of, whatever name they've been dreaming about and all the different meanings and everything. The second one that came out, oh, here's another one. They just named it the twin. <laughs> here's our baby that we were, were waiting on, and here's the twin. So in other words, Jesus came, I'll, I'll read the rest of this. One of the 12 was not with him when Yeshua came. Can you guess who that was? To Oma. Um, the others had seen him. In the verse it says the others had already seen him. I want to play for you kind of a kind of a adventure in your head. I want you to think about what's going on here. This is post crucifixion. This is post crucifixion. This is post the grave. The tomb is found empty, just as he said. The ladies said, "We saw him. We saw the master. He, you know, he was he was there." And so this is after this. I just I just want you to get a kind of a picture of where we are in the timeline. Verse 25, when the other Talmudim told him, we have seen the Lord, he replied, unless, now this is to Oma or Thomas, unless I see the nail mark in his hands, put my finger into the place where the nails were, put my hand into his side, use, believe it. Man, that is strong. This guy is saying, and I'm going to say this about nine times, I bet. This is a man who traveled with Yeshua for three years. This is a man that's been hearing. He was a student of, of the word and, 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 you know, the prophecy and all these things. And he heard what Yeshua said to them, the, you know, the Last Supper, all these different things. You know, this is what's going to happen. He saw healings. I'm just plant that in your mind. Remember, this guy saw Christ, Yeshua, raise people from the dead. He saw him heal by touch people with blind since birth. The woman with the issue of blood. I'm going to probably end up to talk about that because this is so strong in my mind. I was having a conversation with Heidi late last night, and I was telling her about today's sermon. And I got full on off into my sermon <laughs> that I'm working on about the woman with the issue of blood, what that's really about, the Hebrew history behind the touching of the hem. It wasn't just the hem. There's so much to it, the story in Numbers and in three different places in, in, um, in the Gospels. But I was so excited about that. I was talking about that and then blending these two stories together. I guess it was trouble. But he says here, to Oma says here, I refuse to believe it. He says, unless I see, unless I put, then I refuse to believe. What does that sound like to you? That sounds like to me he's making a choice. Doesn't it sound like he's making a choice? He's choosing not to believe. He's saying, look, this is the benchmark for me to believe today about what you all are telling me. I get it. He was here. That's amazing. But I'm not going to believe it until I put my finger. I want to see the nail marks. I want to put my finger into the place where the nails were driven. I want to put my hand into his side. 
in lieu of that, or barring that, newsflash. I'm not going to believe it. I refuse to believe it. By the way, welcome to uh, welcome everyone to chat. We appreciate you joining us. In verse 26. I want you to hear this. This is important. A week later, his Talmudim were once more in the room, and this time, Taoma was with them. So a week before, remember, I want you to have this whole picture. Taoma comes schlepping in, and hey, you'll never guess. Who was with us? The disciples. Talmudim is the word for disciples. So you'll never guess who was here. Who? Jesus. Yeshua. He was here. The risen Lord. He is here. Here's the list of things that has to happen first, that has to be shown to me, that I have to feel, you know, the scars and the, the hole. Oh, i got to feel this, and if I don't feel it, I'm not going to believe. A week later, his Talmudim were once more in the room, and this time, Jehovah was with them. Lucky him. Although the doors were locked. The doors were locked. Yeshua came and stood among them and said, Shalom Aleichem, which is Hebrew for peace be with you. Most often when you were entering into a home or an abode or somebody was staying, this is what you would say, Shalom Aleichem, or peace be with you. Now, I just want to say this about that. Yeshua, they made a point to say the door is locked. Right? You all heard that. I, I read that out loud. I wasn't imagining that. Although the doors were locked, Yeshua came to them and said, Shalom Aleichem. I am. Peace. But the door never opened. Anybody know what we call that? We call that a miracle. He performed yet another miracle in front of everyone's eyes. He appeared out of nowhere. Another miracle performed right in front of their eyes. They witnessed. They actually were there. All of them this time. They actually were there for another miracle. Verse 27, then he said to Oma, put your finger here. Look at my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Don't be lacking in trust, but have trust. Yeshua knew Toma. He paid attention. He traveled with this guy. He knew if there's anybody in this bunch that's going to doubt what he sees, it's going to be Toma. He knew. Now, I don't know if one of the other disciples went to Yeshua and said, Yeah, after you left, Lord, you know Thomas. You show me. I'm not going to believe it. So just so you know, if you go up again, and Oma is here, Thomas is here, doubting Thomas, you're going to have to show him some stuff, because this is what he said you're going to have to do in order for him to believe. Now, what's Oma doing? He's recreating God in his own image. He's saying you've got to jump through hoops in order for me to believe. didn't quite go that way. So then he said to Toma, put your finger here, look at my hands, take your hand and put it into my side. Don't be lacking in trust, but have trust. That seems so simplistic, doesn't it? It's 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 so simple. It's just so simple. Don't be lacking in trust. Have trust. You know how you 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 don't lack trust. You have it. That's how that's how I fix it all. You don't have trust. You know what you need. 
you need to have trust. So have go ahead and have you some trust. That's the solution. The, the solution is so simple. It seems so simple, but who makes it hard? We do. We make it so complex. Anyway, I so virtually to all my answer him. You ready for this? My Lord and my God. I can imagine that he fell to his knees and raised his hands and said, My Lord and my God. Every man there. <coughs> Folks, this is a powerful story. Don't don't skip over this one quickly. Yeshua said to him, Have you trusted because you have seen me? How blessed are those who do not see, but trust anyway? How blessed are those that didn't see me, they they didn't witness, they didn't touch, they didn't do any of these things, these prerequisites you have, these hoops that you have for me, the Son of Man, to jump through? Now, it's good that he, he's Jesus and I'm not, because I'm not like, dude, you don't tell me what to do. I'm not proof. Hey, did you notice how I just came through the store and I didn't open it? Did you notice the empty tomb? Have you been paying attention? Are you in charge of the wine, Tom? Because something is up. You clearly haven't been paying attention. I would do that. I'd go immediately. You know, I chastise him. Come on, man. But here Yeshua says, have you trusted? He didn't tell him. He asked him. Have you trusted? How blessed are those who do not see, but trust anyway. Do we know one of the Talmudim that was like that? His name was Kepha, or Peter. He said, come on out here into this dark, stormy water. Come on now. Oh, you, you're worried about walking on water. Well, you can do it as long as you me and you're watching me. No problem. Don't look back. Look at me. Just look at me. Everything's good. You keep looking at me. Everything's good. And then what happened? He stepped out onto the water and he didn't sink until he looked away. Remember the passage that uh, Yeshua says to Kepha or Peter? He says, but who do you say? Who do they say I am? And then he lifts off a prophet, blah, 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 blah. And then, but who do you say I am? And Kepha was the first to say, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. But this is even stronger. But there's a lesson to be learned. How many of us needed to learn this lesson? Verse 13, in the presence of Talmudim, Yeshua performed many other miracles which have not been recorded in this book. And yet, and yet, let me let me go back. Yeshua performed many other miracles which have not been recorded in this book. What does that tell us? He performed many other miracles. And that for whatever reason, there was no need to put them in the book. What's in the book was important. Not in the book, not as important. Good to read. It's always good to read the, the ancient writings and a lot of the Jewish historians and all that. Really powerful stuff. It's really, really great. But the fact of the matter is, he said, I've told you all you need to know. You, you, you heard, I'm going to tell you all this stuff, and that's all you need. Trust in this. How many more miracles do you need to hear about in order to believe? We'll talk more about that in a second. We still are in though. We see miracles all the time. 
We're still in doubt. So much God has done for us. So many ways that God has provided for us. And yet, we still doubt. Verse 31. But these which have been here are so that you may trust. All you need to trust is here. But not just trust in general, but trust that Yeshua is the Messiah. The Son of God. And by his trust, you may have life because of who he is. Now, remember what I said about the twins. Remember, in those days, you didn't know. They weren't blessed to have Obamacare, so you know, I said it was going to be political, so I'm not even going to talk about that. They didn't have as good a health care, so they didn't know when they were going to have twins. And so all of a sudden, well, they thought about a name for the first, but they didn't think about a name for the second. That was such an anomaly. They just called them the twins. Remember I said that. But I want you to think, maybe this is why. Now, I'm not against him. When I meet him in heaven, I'm going to give him a dap or high five, dap, knuckle bump or high five. I don't know what to do in heaven. We could fly. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. What are we going to do? We'll back that off. She's talking about whole kissing and stuff. I, I'm going to hold off on that. We'll see. Might be better. But do you, I'm going to, you know, I don't know that I'm going to ask Tom or Thomas, Downing Thomas, anything, because who, who am I to throw rocks at him? I've seen more miracles than he's seen. Have I not? Look at all these years after. We've got this great book. We've got all these things that show us the miracles of Christ, and I don't believe like I should believe. Who am I to throw rocks at Toma? But Toma was known to everybody that knew him in the Talmudim as He was a little bit dark. And I want to ask you, do you know anybody that's generally negative like that? Do you know anybody that's negative all the time? They doubt everything. Liberals. Liberals. <laughs> that's true. They do, they do doubt the truth. God blesses them. This is the person who doubts everything. God blesses them. He pours out blessings upon them. Look, they're on their knees praying every night, every morning, every day, driving down the road. Lord, I need this, whatever it be. Lord, I need a new car. This car's about to fall apart. Lord, I need a new, I don't know, job, refrigerator, whatever the case may be. I need something. I need you to intervene in this. I need, I'm desperate. We pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Lord, this is what I need right here. I'm showing you. I'm pointing to it. Circling it. So then what's God do? He's so good. He blesses us with that very thing. And then we say, well, it's not a Mercedes. It's a car. It's a Toyota. It's not a Mercedes. Or, I mean, it's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm thankful. But it's not, it's not, a, it's not a Ford. Hey, turbo. I mean, that. We start picking it apart. Maybe he gave us a job, the very job that we asked for. We start picking that job apart. Well, it's a long day. I'm going to have to change my way I do things. Oh, goodness, I've got a long drive. My land's going to be a lot of gas. Whew, I'm going to be so tired when I get home. Thank you. I mean, thank you for the job. It would be nice if you would have given me one right next to me. Well, that's not the one you asked for. The one you asked for is that one right over there. It's so fast. We, we do this. We, what do we go to the next problem? He blesses us. He gives us so much. 
And then we say, but, that's nice, but, there's a problem here. They rejoice only for a moment. And so on to the next step. They live failing to see the blessings even for just a moment. Well, look, Toma really does himself on that one. Toma is Thomas. Remember that. Thomas. This is following the resurrection of Christ. Now, you got to give him this. He was a robust doubter. Toma was a robust doubter. He's been negative to begin with. That boy probably was born negative. Well, I guess I'm number two. I could have been number one. I wasn't. I was number two. Here I am. No name. Just the twin. Right? He suggested, why no put on to see Lazarus, Lord? Lazarus is dead. He gone. Graveyard dead. He's done already been buried. He's dead. There's nothing you can do. He went to the worst. I know you all know people like this. Maybe you're that person. I don't know. I'll confess to you. Sometimes I'm that person. You, I'll, I'll reveal some stuff to you. You watch and see. He went to, Toma went to the worst possible come first. It was the easiest first, first thought that came to his mind, was the most negative thought, the darkest thought. That was the thing that came first to his mind. And you know what? A lot of us do that. And I'm doing it too sometimes. The other thing we have to think about, there was no way he was going to accept the resurrection. There was no way to Oma or Doubting Thomas was going to accept this resurrection. There was no way, not until he saw. Do you know people like that? Do you? Maybe you want that person. We pray for things. You ever, you ever hear this? This is something that uh, that I hear a lot. Uh, well, I know that it was God answering prayer because he opened the window. He opened the door, whatever, you know, entry point you can give or exit point, quite frankly. He cleared the way for this. This happened, and so I know that that is God working. What if the, what if the, the, the deal where God's working is, is he gave you what you thought you wanted because we're so smart, aren't we? He gave you what you thought you wanted. Guess what? The real deal here is for you in the presence of the easy answer is to say, no, this is what I'm called to do, and this is what I'll do. I don't know if that's the answer for everybody, but I know in a lot of cases that is the answer for some folks, probably more often than we realize. But I want to say this about that. You know, Thomas, I'm throwing throwing at him because he, he, he doubted the resurrection. But look, to be honest, if I was there, I would have too. I would I would have probably said, all right, now let me go ahead and see him. I'm sure he can appear. He arrives from the dead, he can appear again. Why not? I mean, I'm going to believe because I'm a believer. That's why they call us believers. But all the way, I'm going to hold off just a little bit. I'm just going to hold off a little bit on my all the way. I'm not I'm not all in. I'm going to give a speech down in Georgia at this huge uh, Christian school and church, and they have a campaign right now called the All In Campaign. I think it's funny that they borrowed a gambling term, but they are revamping everything about the church. It's neat to read about it. It's a giant church with a giant school, and um, I've been blessed with the offer to come down and sort of help them kick off this new thing at their school. And it's in Georgia, and I don't know, but I don't know if you know this, it's about 45 minutes from a certain little girl that I know. That pay for her is going to India. Daddy is. But look, these people walked with Yeshua every single day. And I mean, this kind of lifestyle, this was a serious lifestyle. This was not 
you know, sort of kicking about. I don't know where you're going to be. I don't know. I'll be down there on the corner. All right, well, I'll see you down there maybe tomorrow. No, it was, where are you going to be? Whatever he said, that's where they were. Unless he said, look, I need some alone time. I need to pray. I need to get with the Father. I need to reconnect with the Lord. I need to spend some time communicating with the Father. I need to understand, too, boy, I'm going to mess around and preach this sermon. I can't wait to the sermon on the woman with the issue of the blood. Just some stuff appeared to me this week that I just thought, oh, i got to preach that. Crowds were all over Jesus. Yeshua was just crushed in by crowds. First, folks, look, you say, now let's say the miracle was a face for TV instead of a face radio. We're going to change the Ninja Pastor from a face for radio to a face for television. Well, that's a miracle people want to see. So people are going to push in and say, well, man, I'm going to go check that out, see if that can really happen. I doubt it. That's a lot to work with, but, you know, we'll see. But the thing is, everybody's crushed in. Woman with the issue of blood, I'm mess around. I'm telling you, I'm going to mess around and preach the sermon. There was a crowd of people. Sometimes you would need a break. He needed a break. He was fully God and fully human. He needed a break. I imagine it wore him out. With people, you know, people that draw on you all the time. Hey, I heard you can heal. They don't care how tired you are. This week, he stayed at the house, and that, that boy, I've never seen anybody work harder than him. He just really, really works hard, traveling all over the country, uh, driving hours and hours and hours, and missing meals, uh, all for the good of the country, all for the good of the country. What a patriot! So, uh, we had a we had a man to man conversation, and I said, Mark, brother, you got to take care of yourself. You're going to wear yourself out. And I said, here's what I know about people. If they see you can heal the land, you have, a, you, have a, you have the way to heal the land, the language of liberty rather than the language of captivity. You can teach that to them. They won't care how, I mean, they'll care how tired you are. They love you. But they'll expect you to still teach. As you know, people, people will, you'll say, man, I'm, I'm tired. I've, I've, I've got to rest. And they'll say, but. Twelve more questions. They don't say more. What say? Well, just one more question, and then that becomes another question. That's something people don't understand. And then if God forbid you ever short with them, people say, well, "You know, I met that dude, and he's rude. He's rude. I came all the way from down the street to hear him talk. Meanwhile, this guy flew from Redlands, California, to Philadelphia after teaching all day, and then somewhere else the day before." Teaching all day, flying to California, teaching all day, flying up here, driving two hours up and back, and he needs good ones. I've been accused of that sometimes, like a book signing, some different things. People will say if there's a bunch of people in line, you know, and the, the promoters and all that stuff, they get mad with you if you're if you're not. Like, he said you need to you need to change your signature. Just autographs. Get in line. Just hand it back. How you doing? Good to see. You. Thanks for coming. Blah blah blah. This type of thing. Well, I don't like that. I like to give a personal thing, but I get yelled at because people are in the line. They're, they're they're upset with you, but sometimes you just can't do that. And I wasn't Jesus. I wasn't healing people. I'm not healing people stuff. He's traveling all over the land. He's walking. He's not taking dark bus. Not taking a cab. He's walking where he goes. This is physical activity. And folks, I don't know if you know this, but it was hot. We know for a fact it's probably the hottest days are around 127 degrees. Fahrenheit. It was warm. 
So we say this all the time. We're so hard on the disciples. We say, I don't know how they could miss that. They had this. They had the teachings of Jesus day by day by day, moment by moment. You know, they camped out. It wasn't like he stayed in one place and they stayed in another. No, they were all together. It wasn't like he ate over here at the big table and they ate down at the little kids' table. No, everybody was around the same table. They would recline and be at the same house, be outside, and they would share food. And it was really important that they were together. So we say, and it's, I believe, normal to say, how could they miss it? But if I was there, I'm going to be real with you all. If I was there, I'm telling you, I would have probably missed it too. The Hamashiach, this is who Jesus really was. Yeshua Hamashiach, the Messiah, the people of the book have been waiting all these years for. This is that guy. But the question is, waiting a lot of years, but I want to ask you, how have they been waiting? Have they been waiting with great anticipation? Or have they been waiting to see, I don't know if this is really going to happen. I don't know that I think it will, so I'm expecting it not to. Hey, look, I'll be as surprised as the rest of them. Hey, I'll be praising God. Amen. If it happens. But I'm leaning towards this probably. You know what they weren't? They weren't all in. Yeah. Believe you me, they got that way. They got that way. Anyway, it's how have you been waiting? I think this is an important thing, and I don't uh I don't want to skip over this too awful quick, uh, because I think I've been guilty of this. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, but I haven't really believed that God's gonna fulfill it. I haven't really believed that God's going to answer this prayer. I've been praying for my will, not thine. And I still don't even believe that he's going to come through with that. Sometimes, you know, we all get in that place. If we're being honest, if we're being honest, I know a lot of pastors never say that, but I'm going to tell you for real. There have been times in my life where you just don't think he's going to come through. You just don't think he's going to come through. Anyway, it's how you wait. Are you waiting, believing, waiting in anticipation, or are you waiting, doubting? like us, demanded physical evidence. Look, we demand physical evidence. And in fairness, he never expected to see it. He said, I won't believe. I refuse to believe. Remember, he said that. I've I said it like three times. I refuse to believe unless I see, unless I touch. Just like us. We're all Missourians, aren't we? Is that, is that, you're from Missouri, right? Is it Missourians? Missourians. 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 You know, it's a show-me state, right? You guys get that reference? It's a show-me state. We're fortunate to have somebody from there, so we have some expertise. Uh, Missourians. We're all Missourians. We want him to show us. Just show me. Just show me. And I believe. Over and over and over and over, he shows us, and we don't believe. We still don't believe. Faith is demonstrated when it's not so easy to believe without seeing it first. But what did he say? He said, blessed are those who believe and not see. Listen, here's another thing to think about. Doubt grows by what it feeds upon. The fertilizer of doubt is what it feeds on. Keep on doubting. Keep on believing. Keep on believing for disappointment. See what you receive. You're going to receive regret. You receive receive disappointment. You're going to receive, receive hopelessness. You keep on doubting, and that's what you're going to receive. That's the natural offspring of 
living a doubting life. Now I've got to ask you, do you know anybody who is not a skeptic? They're not a skeptic. They believe that you look, they'll look at you, they'll listen to your story, you're telling them a story, and it's kind of a wild story, but you're but it's true. You're wild and nobody else believes you. But they listen to you, they're like, hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, that's what happened. Wow, that's something. Boy, thank you for sharing that story with me. That's really something, right? You, there's one in a group of 100, or maybe even a 1,000, right? That person. Have you ever heard of that secretary? She became worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Very wealthy secretary. When she went to work at this raggedy old startup in a garage, answering uh, yard sale phones that they had, like, plugged in, probably their neighbor's house because they probably didn't have, you know, phone service and uh, talk about making something that nobody had seen. And she's there. She's all in. Everybody else is down. Nobody even wants to take a job there. They got a job in the newspaper. Nobody even wants, they come walking by like, they didn't even believe enough for a payday, let alone the payday. This woman, she comes in and she says, yeah, I'll answer the phone. Yeah, I'll, I'll type up letters. Sure, I'll help set up meetings and this, that, and the other thing. Oh, absolutely, I'll book appointments. Be my pleasure to file with one condition. I don't want you to pay me with the money. You see what I want you to do, because I'm all in. I want you to pay me in stock options. And they're like, hmm, stock options, stock options. We don't really have those yet because we don't have stocks, but hmm, stock options. So you're telling us you're going to work here and we'll work here like a dog, make no mistake, and then you don't want to get paid for it as you go. You want to, at some point in the future, get stock options, which we don't have right now. Great. Sign you up. This is wonderful. Thinking, obviously, by the time this very nice, very deluded lady figures out, we probably can't pay her because we don't have any money. You know, we will have gotten a lot of free work out of her. We were high five them. Did they get the fives back then? I don't think so. This tiny little raggedy startup. She says, don't pay me any money. She had no technical expertise. That's the other thing. This lady, look, you might say, well, she had insider information. No, she didn't even know what she was looking at. She had no idea. And I want you to know that company is now a global company. They've changed the world. They've impacted the world. She believed in them. She was all in. She said, I won't doubt. I believe. Even maybe some of the founders did. Definitely before most of the other employees did. Most assuredly before the people coming in for a job interview, they look at this raggedy band of folks and say, they're going to make payday. What happened? Despite the fact that virtually everybody outside the inner sanctum did not believe this secretary with no technical expertise whatsoever she believed. She was all in. She was all in, and she acted with total commitment. Don't pay me in dollars. Pay me in stock options, which they didn't even have yet. This resulted in the secretary becoming worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and she retired at a very young age. Of course, 
after buying more stock in that company. This secretary believed and became the fruit of belief. She became what could only be described as a hundreds of millionaires. What was that company? Microsoft. Right? PCs now in every everybody's got a PC. PCs, I got a little, mini PC except it's Apple. No, none of them pay me money, so I'll give it everybody here. There's a Microsoft product there. So the point that I'm going to make to you is, is holy moly, she believed before she saw. She believed before she touched. In fact, to such an extent, she, she waved all. Because you know, how do we get confirmed on whether a business is going to make it? If they make payday, Friday comes and we have a check in our little bin. We're like, woohoo, another week that it's real. They anticipate at any point in time that it's going to fall apart. She didn't even get that. Can you imagine? She went to work every week, and every week everybody else is rushing to their little bin to get their check. And then they're a little nervous driving to the bank, and they drive straight to the bank instead of waiting for Monday, I don't know, lunch hour or whatever. They're going to the bank right then. They say, hey, is this good? Is there money in this account? She didn't get to do any of that. She never got to confirm anything along the way. We're for confirming activities from God as though he's got an answer to us. But, oh, aren't you glad that he knew to Oma? Aren't you glad that he knew Thomas and he understood? He didn't hate on Thomas. He could have said, you good for nothing, hateful, negative fool. Didn't you ever watch me heal some folks? Follow me all around the country. I know it wasn't for all the great food and fellowship, but we did have good times. Come on now. You saw me heal these people, and yet you still don't believe you're an idiot. And no, you can't touch me with your nasty, dirty hands. You can't touch me with your unbelieving hands. I'm about to ascend to the Father. Good luck to you. He could have done it, right? You've got to admit. What if it was us? If we were Yeshua, I'm not the only one in the room. Come on, somebody else be honest. Anybody else in the room, would they have said, you want to what? Touch my, no, you ain't, man. I'm not letting you do it. It's a true story. It's a true story, and it really did happen. In fairness to Thomas, look, Thomas was an honest skeptic. You know honest skeptics. They're just skeptical sometimes. He expressed his doubt openly and honestly. He wasn't hidden about it. Everyone likely groaned. And I mean to tell you, groaned when Thomas entered the room. The Talmudim, the disciples are wandering around, weaving through the countryside, and then they got a decision to make. They got to think about this. They got to think about that. Hey, let's come to a decision. Then here comes Thomas. Oh, Thomas. We believe we can do this. I don't think so. There's likely vipers hidden under the rock where we're going to be walking. You know, it was the ultimate Eeyore. I don't think he was blue. I think it was the ultimate Eeyore. He didn't believe in anything. He was a downer. He did everything openly, though, and i got to respect that. i got to respect that he didn't hide it. There was never any question about where he stood because he, was, he spoke up. He said... No way, man. Do you know anybody, anybody at all, let me don't shout out their name. Do you know anybody that's never complimentary to anything or anyone? They've got nothing, they've got no, nothing to add. Positive. You come to them, you say, hey, guess what? I got great news. Oh, what is it? I got a job. Oh, that means you're going to have to fill out a lot of paperwork. And, you know, health insurance, that sure has changed. Not as it used to be. 
have to get up early. It's a bummer. Sleep is important. Not that I get any. You know? You know people like that. You guys know people like that. Please say this. I will trust a person that more goes quickly to that spot of lacking, you know, any sort of positivity but honest about it. Then I will trust a person who is constantly put on this little church face. I'm going to pray for you. That's good. Indeed. You know, they got all these little sayings to say, and they sound searchy. But then you look at the brother's hands, and, and they've not, uh, there's no, no pluses on their hands. There's no sign of struggle. They don't have any scars on them. Nothing in their life has ever been difficult. He's always been kind of sheltered, and, you know, and the only language he's ever really heard is church words. Church languages, church cliches, bumper sticker theology. And that's what the first thing they do is they start regurgitating all this bumper sticker theology to you. I talk about a book, Actually Fill the Church, How the Ocarina is Destroying America. It's available on the ninjapastor.com, drjohngreener.com, amazon.com, barnesandnobles.com. I was told I should name all the places, but I've forgotten them. So whatever. Anywhere out there, type in the title and you'll find it. But here's the thing. With these little fluffy little voices and their skinny jeans and their hip, trendy cool haircuts, and they'll say to you some stuff that is just not real. They've never been in a struggle. You, they're a swear word. You think they're about to go apoplectic. They don't have high blood pressure, but you can set vein in that pulsing like this here. I should do over here since they're putting it over here. They're about to lose their mind. You may have told them, look, I'm, I'm a, how are you doing? Oh, I'm not so good. I got this big cancer again. They're more upset about the boop than they are the cancer. Well, we're in church. I can't believe you're. Listen, when we're in church, we have to use. And I'm not saying you can church be foul language and foul mouth. No, I don't. I'm for that. My point is this. They're more concerned about that than they are about the truth of your trial. Because they've never been in trial. They've never, they've never dealt with it. Look, I trust somebody that 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 I got to work on honest, open negativity, honest, open doubting. And they put on this face, these words. They know what to say. They know they know just what to say to make themselves sound so churchy and holy and whatnot. The person says, "Look, I trust in God," but you know good and well they don't trust in the heavenly Father. They trust in what they can see, what they can touch, unless I see. Unless I touch, you know that they're this way. Show me and I'll believe. Show me again and again and again, and I might believe for a minute until the next trial, and then I'm not going to believe anymore. I believe you. I said, show me. You did. And then I believe for five seconds, and then I'm back to not believing. You see people like that. I don't trust people like that. I don't care how good you sound. I trust you sound. Look, his words are negative, but his words are exactly how he felt to Oma. His words are exactly how he felt. And I trust that. Now, let me just give a caveat. This is a public service assistant. If you're Eeyore, you guys know who Eeyore is, right? Yeah. I gave that reference one time in speech, and people came up in the handshaking line afterwards, and they were like, well, that was a really good sermon, Mayor Patrick Shack, but you made reference to a biblical character named Eeyore. And I'm not familiar with that. Can you give me some passage, passage references? I was like, Eeyore is from Winnie the Pooh, and I know 
can't even talk about tiggers. You clearly don't know what the poop. You're not going to know tiggers. It's bad. It was bad. People have no soul when they don't know about winning the poop. The book of ER. Yeah. Look at ER. It's depressing, isn't it? He needed some. He needed some meds from the earth. He needed some. Some. Sometimes your faith gets lifted by faith living. Here's the problem. You're. You're. Sometimes you just. You've heard it. Fake it till you make it. Now I just said I don't want people that fake it all the time. There's. You, you know people that are trying to put on a brace. I get yelled at sometimes. That somebody said to me, "Why do you tell people you're great when they ask how you are when you know you barely walk in here?" And I say, they're not here to hear me whine about my pain and sorrow and all that stuff. They're here to, to receive. But ultimately, you know people, like I talked about, that they, you never get the real with them. You never get the real. It's always that outer fluffiness. But then you know other people who are there in the fight. They're in the fight of the way. Look, I, I'm hoping that this works out. My buddy Eric, who everybody's been praying for, hundreds of thousands of people all over the world have been praying for him. This dude, let me fix this up. I'm sorry, people in chat, I let this thing time out. I apologize for that. There's a whole bunch of people talking in there. It's a cool place to be. This is a reminder. It doesn't have anything to talk about now, but Wednesday, not tomorrow, Wednesday. Normally we have a show uh, Monday, 4 to 6. We're going to have it Wednesday, 4 to 6. This Wednesday, 4 to 6. I like people who are real about where they are in life. But you know what? I started this one. Do you tell everybody all your business? People like to tell everybody. You ask them, you ask them how they're doing because they're going to tell you some personal real quick. And they always have the loudest voices, and they wonder we talk. The more people hear them, you know, you, you know the people to avoid. You say, across the room, I'm going to pray for you. And then actually pray for them. But my point is this, is that sometimes you don't tell people. Don't tell them that. Don't tell them. If you never get out of doubt phase, don't tell people, you know what, because they're struggling Christians. Or maybe a struggling older Christian that's saying, man, if I hear one more doubtful person, I'm just going to fold up. I'm going to fold up and just start drinking. You know, because no point. Sometimes you just have to check yourself and say, you know, I'm negative a lot. Look yourself in the mirror and say, would I smell if I was talking? Would I feel better about life? Would I feel better about my faith if I were me and I had to talk to you? Would I can be convincing? So just hush your mouth. If you're going through a temporary thing, you've got to work your way through it. Sometimes just hush and just say, pray for me. I'm having some struggle. Pray for me. I like this. In Hebrew, I'm studying, uh, I'm doing another doctorate now, a doctorate of ministry. And one of the everything is with a Hebrew world. And one of the classes is the uh, I think it's fifteen ten Israel and the Church fifteen ten or fifteen twenty five something like that is the class number. Uh, and the text there's eight textbooks. I kid you not. My last class seventeen thousand words eighty seven pages. This one will be double that. Absolutely loving it because I'm only on the first textbook. I'm telling you, they'll drop some knowledge on you, some wisdom on you that'll change your life. In Hebrew culture, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You don't have a feeling about Scripture. What do I feel about that? I'm going to hack that Scripture and see how that applies to me today. You know what I'm saying? They, we don't, it doesn't work that way in the 
Hebrew culture. In the Hebrew culture, in the Hebrew culture, it works totally differently. You don't ask how, you know, can I back this scripture to understand it more fully? No. What you say in the Hebrew culture is, how can I live this scripture? Having by doing, living by living, believing more by believing something. Look, I'm going to say this. Honest doubt is far better than fake faith. Hesitant faith is no faith at all. I said this a minute ago, and I'll say it again. Churchy words in the world don't convince God. He knows you're telling the truth or not. They may fool all Christians, but they don't fool God. I'm going to be real with you right now. Growing up, I was exposed to a lot of fake Christians. They knew all the words. They had the right haircut. They had the right clothes. Everything. They had the right counts. Everything was just so believable, except for the real, when you saw them for real. And you know what? That sounds my faith. Not my faith in God, but my faith in people. Because you knew they were pretending. Look, our goal here in our Kehala is not just to be good. Our goal is to be real with one another, and I think we have. We've achieved that, and we're achieving that all the time. And our struggles, our hurts, habits, and hangups, our our uh, fears, our doubts, things coming up in our life that we're nervous about, and we share it together. You all are real with me. I'm real with you. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's the secret sauce, as my buddy Mark Herr says. But you know, sometimes when you when you're around people all the time, you miss their faith. You you almost say, I wish you would just speak up about your doubt. I wish you would speak up. Say what you really believe or don't believe. Because I'm not believing anything you're saying, the good or bad. Hey, here's another thing. Thomas, here's why we shouldn't be too on Thomas. Thomas was an astonished witness. Can you imagine? You're sitting there in the room and you know that he was murdered. You know Yeshua was murdered. He was gone. He was dead. He lost so much blood. His pieces of skin, whole flaps of skin hanging off his body. You saw him die. You heard the crowd murmuring. He's gone. He's dead. He was put in the grave. You saw the guards that don't guard a a tomb. Anybody come and steal the body? Say any of those. And yet he did. And here he comes walking in. Now, I don't know how he did it. I don't know. He just appeared. Or was still locked in those, yet here he is. I don't know how he did it. I can't pick that apart. I'm not David Blaine. But the bottom line is it's a parlor trick. It's the real. He He wasn't there, and then he was there. He appeared in the room. I want to ask you, you know how the week before I said, I didn't say it, but you said it, I was just reading it, that Yeshua appeared and Toma or Toma wasn't there. And they said, hey, we saw. We saw Yeshua Hamashiach. We saw him. He's here. He says, unless I see, I'm not going to, I refuse to leave. Remember that? Let's begin. We should probably take some brain boost or something if we forget. Already, um, this is look. This is a critical thing because here was there, and then some things have changed. But the other Talmudim believed because they saw, they saw him. They saw him. They witnessed him. Yeshua invited Thomas to do what he had claimed he would require. He didn't say what, like what I said a minute ago. He didn't say, "Hey, you don't judge me. Who do you think you are anyway? Did you heal anybody?" From being dead? Did you heal anybody from being blind? Did you heal anybody from 
being uh, cursed with leprosy? How about demon spirits? Do you heal anybody of demon spirits? You cast any demons out? Oh, I didn't think so. So no, you're touching me. He did that. He invited him, do what you require. Look, to lack of faith, it's human. It's human to lack faith. At some point, though, we have to grow and we have to improve. We can't stay in that dark place. We can't remain on milk. We have to move on to meat. Unless you're vegetarian. Then you've got to move on to something, I don't know what, carrots? Celery? I don't know what, but I don't know what vegetarians move up to. What is it? Does anybody know? Water. Water. Yeah, my daughter's a vegetarian. I don't understand the vegetarian thing. I don't, but it's cool. Look, there's no record. I, I want to be clear on this. There's no record that Thomas ever took Yeshua up on the invitation. He said, all right, if this is what you require, believe, then okay. Scripture doesn't say. Well, then Tomah got up, and he walked over, and he touched him, did this and did that, and put his hand inside. Didn't say anything about it. But I would remind you, Yeshua knew Tooma so well. He knew what he needed. He knows what we need. He knows us as intimately, if not more, than, than he knew Tooma or Thomas the Doubter. He knew. This wasn't some big, shocking thing to God. He wasn't put off or offended. And when I say God, I say Yeshua Hamashiach, standing there, standing there in front of him. He paid attention. He knew who he was dealing with. He knew people's personality. He cared enough. He knew their proclivities. He taught to the proper audience in the way and the language he could understand and emulate. He knew what Thomas needed, and he offered it. But praise God, he offered it, but it was no longer needed. Why? Because Christ's presence made a physical touch unnecessary. Why did Thomas no longer need to touch Yeshua? Why do you think? I don't know the answer. I'm asking you honestly, why do you think? Why do you think to all my no longer needed? Do what he said just a little bit ago. Look, until I see it, until I touch it, I refuse to believe. And all of a sudden, he's in the presence of Yeshua. He's this close. Yeshua is reaching out. And he said, and Thomas didn't need it. He said, you are the Christ. Wow. Maybe I answered my own question in the presence of Christ. How do we call on that? Do we have to wait till we get to heaven? No. I want to remind you of something real quickly. I'm almost finished. Thomas was a confirmed convert. His encounter with Christ answered his questions and solved his problems. It solved his problem because Christ is the answer. He's not an answer. He's the answer. Look, the change here is dramatic because remember what I said. His, his statement went beyond Peter's expression, even from the water. It was bold. It was dramatic. It was dynamic. And it came from seeing Christ. What do you make of those that we, and I, I told the story of this group before on the radio. Uh, you know, we know by history that probably over 500 people saw Hamashiach, Yeshua Hamashiach, ascend to heaven. We know that. The scripture tells us and other uh, ancient writings tell us this is about 500 people. But we also, from all those writings, that only about 127 to 129, depending on counts, actually followed 
and became a follower of the way. Are you kidding me? They saw him rise into the clouds. All of them saw that, and yet only 127, 129 saw him. They saw him, yet they still didn't follow. Why didn't they follow? What did Thomas say? My, in verse 28, Thomas answered him when he said, look, do what you got to do. If you got to, unless you see, I heard that you'll refuse to believe unless you see. So go ahead, do what you must. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Look, Thomas was a typical disciple. We tell down on him because of his sense of man. He said, look, I feel it, I got to see it. He wasn't there, folks. He was human. Actually, all the other disciples were probably a, a good bit the same. Some were quiet about it, but they nodded. Others were more praiseworthy. In every crowd, you know the person who believes. Kepha, come to me. Peter stepped out onto the darkness and onto the water, and he walked toward Christ. Can you imagine that kind of faith? No, seriously, it's a serious question. Can you imagine that kind of faith? Yeshua appears to me, and, and, and it's a storm, and he says, come on out here. But, Lord, that's water. You understand how this works, right? Water. I can't walk on water. I can't walk on a puddle. I'm stuck to the bottom. It's deep here. It's dark. I'm going to die. Because you show me some more things. Then you're standing on the water, and you've said, come stand on the water. That's how we are. But we've seen we've seen some amazing testaments to faith. Hebrews 11, 12, and, and some of the other passengers. By faith. By faith. By faith. Thomas is indeed a challenging figure. We know that. He showed us the deepest unbelief. He'd been with Christ for three years, and he still didn't believe. He saw his own two eyes. He saw Christ bring the dead back to life. He saw him give the sacrifice. He saw the thing, and he still didn't believe. But he also showed us. Yeshua showed us the greatest of conversions. Can you imagine? I mean that in retrospect and in looking forward. Can you imagine? Try to imagine how that must have been to go from I'm not believing until I see I refuse to believe until I see him like this. And then all of a sudden the presence of Jesus radically changed and followed Christ no matter the cost. Can you imagine how it would be for you if you just simply believe? He shows us the way. Belief in Christ. He finally got it. Toma finally got it. I, I bet in that moment he changed. I don't have any proof of this, but I bet he changed from Mr. Doubter kept a nickname, because you know how it is when you're young. You get a nickname, it sticks with you. Like stretch, skinny, you know, and then you're no longer skinny. But folks from your high school still call you that. You see what I'm saying? So they still call Doubting Thomas, Doubting Thomas. But I bet he wasn't doubting anymore. How do you increase your faith? Belief. Belief is the greatest exercise of your faith. It's the greatest evidence of your faith. You increase your faith daily by exercising your faith said, come on, get real. Show me. Jesus said, I am real. See for yourself. You say, come on, I can't see that this is real. How is this going to work? I need to know all the details. I need to know the end. I need to know every part of it in order for me to believe. Why something like this ever make a difference? What difference this can possibly make in my life? I need to know the details. I just simply can't believe. Look, here's some thoughts. It's fascinating that Thomas means twin. Prior to really studying this passage intensely, I, would you, I didn't really remember that. 
didn't remember Oma meant twin. The twin. Twin often is used in the literary symbolic represent duality. I believe Thomas represents the dual act of our human nature. Thomas wants desperately to believe. He is human. He wants to believe. I believe this too. Honest thought is better than fake faith. Thomas wants to be convinced, and he can be. Have you ever experienced people who can accept Christ or a church or Christianity at all because they say they just need more info? Look, I need more info. You've got to give me more facts, more data, and then I'll believe, maybe. And you never can give them the facts. You never can give them enough to fully and completely believe. You know people like that. Thomas is clear in his mind and in his speech on what he needs to happen to make him believe. Thomas is like the rest of us. He's been deceived. He's been disappointed before. Can you imagine how he must have felt to be the one disciple that wasn't there? When Yeshua came, then he has to wait a whole week before he comes back. Man, do you wonder what he was thinking about during that week? Well, I wonder if he'll come back. Well, I guess those folks feel like fools. They thought they saw Yeshua, but I'm apparently the right one here. See, doubting works. And then here he comes through a locked door. Do you think Jesus couldn't have picked a time when everybody was there? I want to encourage you to do this. Share your message. If God answers a prayer for you, and I don't say if, I say when. When he answers a prayer for you, share that message with others. The benefits of taking the time to rejoice when prayers are answered. You've got to, look, I'm going to share that with you. Don't rush on to the next worry when God answers a prayer. You say, Father, I need a home. I need a place to live. And God provides it for you. Don't start complaining about the smell. Don't start complaining about, well, my other house had this. You say, God, I need a home. And he provides. I tell you, you fill that house full of rejoicing. And he'll clean the air. Everybody worries about this challenge. Right? We all live that way. We get one health challenge. Like we've been praying for Carson. Carson Sellers, international audience we have here. Uh, I encourage you to pray. If you're a praying person, pray for Carson. Pray for his family. Man, it's tough stuff. It's super tough stuff. This young man has been through it for five years, and he's in the thick of it right now. He needs your prayers. And yet he's ministering to people, even from his bed, through Facebook and other social media. Everybody worries about their next challenge. It's, It's human. It's not bad. It's human. I want you to take a moment. Look, it's not easy to trust what you can't see. It's not easy to trust wisdom that you don't understand. For every secretary who trusts her company and takes options instead of cash, you could find hundreds who put their faith in a fellow by the name of Bernie Mel. He had all the trappings of super wealth, super success. Man, this guy knows what he's doing. And you know what? These people saw what they thought was believable, and even stars. I want to remind you, uh, John Bon Jovi lost millions of dollars. Several others lost millions of dollars. Some hundreds of millions of dollars. He looked legit. He looked for real. He took the retirement. 
took everything he had. Even though it looked like a sure thing, he took everything they had. I want to encourage you, remember the most of life, to see is to believe. In spiritual life, to believe is to see. Look, I, I don't know what challenge you have this week. I, I can't pretend to know what challenge you have. But I know there's a lot of people just in this room and also in the radio audience because I get thousands of emails. They tell me what they're facing. And I have to shake my head and say, man, that's an uphill battle. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if he's listening now, but Chris, my buddy Chris, listen, you get diagnosed with pancreas cancer. I'm telling you right now, that's bad news. And he's far and we had to go months before we knew he could even be a candidate for surgery. And then even the surgery, he initially recovered so much better than I ever thought. Nobody had any idea that somebody could recover that quick. And then he collapsed and just went so far down. It was, it was so close. It was so bad. And now next month, he's talking about coming out. He'll address you in the, in the radio audience. I know I'm talking in the You'll see a living miracle. But you know what? Life is hard. It's a challenge. It's so difficult. What if we all exercised our faith by believing and trusting God? Believing for his full and complete and perfect self and trusting him instead of having the plan ourselves. How much easier would life be if we look, being the person who always has to have every question answered before I take one step? How about I trust God that he didn't bring me this far to leave me here and that if I'm in the field and I'm struggling for a while, he'll come back for me because he loves me. Gratitude is the antidote for fear. A lack of belief is simply fear. The Father himself said, fear not. For I am with you always. Always is forever. For all eternity. Amen.